time, uh, one of the teachers will give a talk uh, about uh, some aspect of our practice. And tonight I'll talk about uh, what's the point of doing this and just kind of give an overview of what we've been doing and uh, make some sense of it. It's so unusual, uh, the various activities we've been doing almost at every turn are, are out of the ordinary. And so in a way, you may not need too much of this overview because the real action is in, in doing it and just keeping up, staying with it as best you can. And also, um, I don't really know what the point is for you. And so we come with different motivations and different reasons for being here. And yet, you know, human beings have done this sort of thing, even though it's unusual, human beings have done it for hundreds and hundreds of years in many different contexts. And so I'll just say a few things about the different reasons that people have had, and some of it may ring true for you also. <clears throat> so there will be three general areas I'll talk about. And the first is cultivating calmness, concentration. It's what we do when we turn our attention to those neutral, simple things that we've been doing. And so the feel of the breath somewhere. Just these very ordinary sensations, the feel of the sensations in our feet as we stand and shift our weight and move. Um, the, the play of sounds. There are literally dozens of different ways to focus for this activity. Dozens of different objects of consciousness that could be used. And we just try to find something that's relatively neutral, meaning not too pleasant or painful. That doesn't mean it shouldn't be pleasant at all. In fact, once we start tuning into the breath or the feet, there is a deep, satisfying pleasure that comes with it. But the sensations themselves are pretty run-of-the-mill. They're not calling our attention in ordinary experience very much, if at all. And it would be truly bizarre to do what we're doing if it didn't have an extremely amazing effect. And that effect is bringing peace, calm, stability, clarity of mind. Uh, after almost 30 years of practicing this, I started when I was a graduate student at Duke, and I'm still surprised, in a way, that these methods work for people. So, you know, when our minds are chaotic, when we're stressed, when we're out of control, when we're just wild and ill at ease and we don't fit in the world and so forth, there are methods that we can practice to calm down. And this is what we've been doing for the last 24 hours insofar as we've been practicing turning our attention to the breath, the feet, the hands, actual sensations. 
So we don't have to try to calm down. We don't have to try to be peaceful. It's quite interesting. It's just a kind of an indirect way of cultivating these qualities. And it can be hard to believe that it would be useful. And since it's hard to believe, you don't have to try to believe me. Uh, you're in a situation where you can see for yourself how it works. And we can approach it in different ways. That's one reason that when we talk about tuning into the breath, we say, well, you might observe the breath in the abdomen, or you might observe the breath in the chest or at the nose. Uh, what makes the most sense to you? When Spring introduced it, it was just like, where do you feel the breath most easily? For most of us, the breath is a pretty good focus, the, the sensations that come with the breath. But you may prefer tuning into sounds. It can work just as well. Or you may prefer standing and tuning into the sensations in the feet. And so it might be a little frustrating that we don't just say, do it this way. Um, but in fact, um, it's really good to kind of see for yourself what makes the most sense. Uh, does this make sense? Yeah. Uh, and so we don't have to do anything other than find this breath as it begins. Notice the sensations. We don't have to try to notice everything. We're just noticing fairly well something that's happening in our experience. Likewise, when we're standing, shifting our weight, walking, just tuning in fairly well. Yeah. I sometimes find it when I close my eyes and get distracted. Mm -hmm. That it helps me to use my vision to mm -hmm. like focus on mm -hmm. that wheel mm -hmm. in particular at least. Yeah. So the comment is uh, sometimes helpful to open eyes and just tune into the visual field in some way. And indeed, using a visual focus is one of the dozens of methods that there are out there for calming down. And so simply gazing at something that's relatively neutral also can be a good way to calm down. It, uh, or as Spring just guided us in the loving kindness practice a visualization, a mental image, just tuning into that also works for calming down in addition to cultivating these qualities of the heart, kindness and so forth. Uh, it also cultivates calmness, this activity of visualizing oneself, repeating the phrases and so forth, another method for calming down. So already today and last night we've covered a bunch and we'll keep practicing them. And uh, getting better at it is actually a matter of letting it be simpler and simpler. So it's not like when it gets more advanced, the instructions here get more detailed or sophisticated. It's just more of the same, and we get better at it with practice. Uh, and, we, and, and we practice because we begin to see that it has effects that we like. These effects are calmness, 
There's a subtle comfort and pleasantness in the body, a sense of well-being, peace. And we can cultivate these things. On the first day of a retreat like this, um, it might be quite irritating to have some guy sitting up here talking about peace and comfort and pleasantness in the body and so forth. Uh, Because one thing that happens when we try to do this is we encounter a lot of problems and difficulties. It is really hard work. So let me talk a little bit about some of the difficulties, just to acknowledge them and uh, uh, talk a little bit about what we do when we encounter them. Uh, Drowsiness is one of them. Uh, Even when we've had enough sleep, um, when we sit down and close our eyes or come into a quiet room, We can kind of begin to drift and get kind of heavy. If we haven't had enough sleep, then it can even happen happen even more quickly. And it's a common problem. And uh, just to acknowledge that it is a problem, uh, we can notice that when it's happening. This is happening. Um, We don't have to rush to fix it. But we can be skillful, just kind of summon some determination to notice what it's like in those moments. Maybe open the eyes, maybe shift to standing, uh, and so forth. Uh, I won't try to explain everything here, but just to kind of acknowledge some of these difficulties so that you know that we know that they're there and we can talk about them more these days. Another one, of course, is restlessness where we're, we're just find it really difficult to sit still. Uh, we want to pop up, we want to explode. We might explode, it feels like we might. Uh, the mind is just all over the place. You hear spring saying, okay, tune into your breath. And you kind of like vaguely know your breath is somewhere and then you're off uh, somewhere else really quickly. And you say, no, I the breath. And oh yeah, where is it? And then you're off and the mind is just it won't seem to come into the body at all. Uh, and so we just have patience with that. We know it's happening. Sometimes when we're that way, that's when it can be great just to tune into sounds. So not trying too hard to bring it into the body, to the breath, but just tune into the ambient sounds that are coming and going. Let them be the neutral focus in those moments. Um, we'll, we will be giving priority to connecting with the sensations in the body. And I'll talk about that in more detail in a few minutes. Uh, But there can be those times if we really find it difficult to to land anywhere in the body, just to tune into the play of sounds and let the mind be open and relaxed and let the sounds come to us in 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 an easy way. Another type of difficulty is, is just kind of the distractedness that comes with desires. And so obviously, you know, we've all left our normal lives. Um, we have friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, things we like to do and so forth, probably in some form back home. Uh, we might begin mulling some of these things over and just kind of find ourselves daydreaming, floating with these thoughts, uh, these desires, just kind of, few, you know, this distractedness that comes or we might even have noticed someone here that we're attracted to, it's really common and uh, it's not a bad thing, but it can be kind of frustrating when we're trying to practice and we're just kind of drifting with 
with these thoughts and fantasies. And so again, just noticing this is happening. We don't try to fight it. It's the nature of the mind. The mind is quite amazing. And so we just notice this is happening. I'm daydreaming, I'm feeling desire. Uh, and then come back to the breath or the feet as best we can. A similar one, kind of the other end of that spectrum, would be aversion, irritation, annoyance. Uh, just there might be someone here, it might be one of the teachers, it might be me, you know, just like, <laughs> good Lord, he goes on and on. He says, he's actually said the same thing, and it pretty clearly, this talk isn't any different. He's just going to say the same thing again and again. And you're just sitting there like, yeah, you said it last night, you said it this morning, you're going to say it again. It's like, yeah, he's saying it again. And, you know, now he's making a joke about it. <laughs> and you're just getting more and more pissed. Um, and I am making a joke about it, but it's actually true. You don't have to like me. And, and it's like, we just, one of the awesome things about what we're doing is, wow, we have permission just to feel that. Um, or there might be someone else on the retreat where for no reason at all, you know, whenever you see them, you just kind of, kind of in the same way you're attracted to someone and you're not even sure, you don't even know their name yet. Uh, there might be someone who just rubs you the wrong way. You don't even know why. Maybe they remind you of someone uh, elsewhere. So just that irritation, it's part of the mind, just like desire is, so kind of this aversion. And it can be frustrating when we're sitting in here and just kind of feeling that. And I'll talk more in a few minutes about working with these sort of difficult emotions. But then kind of the, the other main area of difficulty and just kind of practicing calming down is a lack of confidence, you know, this is a big one when we're beginning because, you know, we are inspired to be here. We all have showed up here for one reason or another. We have hopes that this would be useful in some way. And, um, and then when we get in this room and it's hard and everyone else seems to be kind of sitting there quietly d doing something and you're just kind of f sitting there frustrated, you know, it's very easy to think, oh, this probably doesn't work, apply to me, or I can't do this, or it's not the right time, things like that. And it's, first of all, really good to know that this is extremely common, and virtually everyone in the room actually will encounter some form of that during this retreat. Do you believe me? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really common, and, and so it's part of going beyond our normal patterns. We're all in a situation that is, is uh, new in a, in a way, and uh, that includes the experienced meditators and the adults, where we're in a situation that's fresh and new, and, uh, and so there will be moments where it's like, whoa, can I really do this? Is this really for me? And just to know that it's, it's, it's common is, is helpful, to notice how it feels, and not to get too wrapped up in it. And then this is where a teacher and, and more experienced 
meditators like the other adults here can be helpful just to express it and talk about it a little bit. <clears throat> so those are a few of the difficulties. Probably most of the difficulties that we encounter as we try to connect with a neutral home base fall into one of these general categories of sleepiness, restlessness, desire, aversion, lack of confidence. Uh, and, you know, even when we're not talking about them, we know that it's a reality out there. And, and part of the, you know, the, the amazing way in which we've come through this first day is the way we've held, each of us has held our, our place. And uh, just to acknowledge again that uh, if you were thinking that you were the only one going through some of these problems while everyone else was just sitting there kind of peaceful and so forth, no, everyone's been going through some form of these, uh, even though the peacefulness is also a reality. And we never have to pretend about it. We are not sitting here pretending to be peaceful. We're not posing. Uh, it's not that sort of game at all. <clears throat> so more generally, uh, the, and a second area that motivates human beings to do this sort of work is the way in which bringing attention to our experience can help us with the most difficult experiences that we can encounter as humans. And so physical pain, difficult emotions like anger, hatred, jealousy, fear, anxiety, depression, and so forth. And patterns of thought that are troubling, irritating, uh, and so forth. This sort of meditation is extremely useful with these sorts of difficulties. And one of the interesting things that's happening in our culture now is that scientists are looking into the application of mindfulness to these sorts of difficulties. And so it's not, you know, t even 10 years ago, I would be teaching in a, in a university or somewhere, and it was a really different situation even 10 years ago relative to the scientific interest. There's been an explosion of scientific interest in the ways in which this sort of meditation can be useful for the most practical sorts of problems that we face as human beings. In a nutshell, the way we work with these sorts of difficulties is we actually very counterintuitively bring our attention to the point of the difficulty. And so if it's physical pain, very counterintuitively, we bring our attention into that part of the body that's in pain and simply notice what's happening there. Beneath, so to speak, beneath the concept of pain, just like what are the actual sensations happening there? And then the practice here 
is noticing that. But we're not obligated to stay there. And indeed, even just a few seconds may be enough. And so if, when it gets to be enough, we just shift the attention back to the neutral home base. And so our practice of tuning into the breath or the hands or the feet becomes really useful here because it gives us a place to go that's skillful to cultivate calmness, peace, even while there's pain throbbing elsewhere in the body. And then when we can, when we wish to, pain will call our attention. We yield to that call and just go back and look again. And so it's that idea of a pendulum swinging back and forth. Um, a pendulum, right? You know what that is? Um, so if I take the mic. So as a model for, for how we would practice with pain, um, one part of the, the swing would be the neutral home base. We stay there for a while, and then naturally our attention will be drawn to that pain. We notice it. We feel it. We actually don't try to push it away. We just notice it. And then when we wish, and it might be quickly, but it may not be, we come back to the neutral home base. And so it's that simple. And we don't have to rush this. Uh, same sort of principle works with the difficult emotions, like anger, fear, hatred, jealousy, and so forth. Again, the way we work with them is we actually try to feel the sensations that come with these emotions. And there are sensations with them. They're often overlooked, but we try to feel them in the body. And so with fear, there really are sensations in the torso, in the belly, in the throat, somewhere in here. We don't have to be too precise. Are these the sensations that come with the fear? Often it's quite intuitive and intuitively obvious that, yeah, this tightness in my chest is connected with this fear. And here, um, we can have habits of just staying with the thoughts staying with a story, trying to figure things out. And there's nothing wrong with those thoughts. The mind is amazing. We can be intelligent. But often, if we're just restricting our attention to the story, and we're not tuning into the actual sensations, then those sensations are having effects that are making the situation worse. And so these sensations in my chest connected with fear will be influencing both my future experience and my actions. 
And if I'm not aware of them, then they're just going to be running on automatic pilot. There'll be conditioned responses. If I can tune in to those actual sensations, then I have a chance of not just being running on automatic pilot. And it can be quite amazing to see and to feel and experience the freedom that can come by just feeling into a difficult emotion, feeling it in the body. This is really hard work. It's really hard to do. Uh, most of us will have habits of just skimming over how it feels in the body. And so um, it takes practice. It's, it takes practice for me after many years of being interested in this and of practicing it. Uh, a couple of months ago, I, was, uh, um, I had a, a, an argument with uh, Diana Winston, with whom I work at UCLA. And we've been friends for almost 20 years. We worked on teen retreats in, um, at, at, in Massachusetts in the early 90s. And so it's a great joy to be working with her now full time, doing new things. And uh, we work together really well and so forth. And so it's unusual that we have conflicts. I don't even remember now, honestly, what the argument was about. And it wasn't that major. But it was, you know, disagreement. And um, so I, I get in my car, and I'm driving uh, across town to campus. And I'm driving, and I'm going, rah, 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 you know, kind of replaying the issue. I, re I don't remember what it was, or I'd tell you, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the frustration was we normally get along so well, and why do we, you know, it just caught me by surprise. And so I'm just kind of, I'm, you know, my mind is constructive. I'm partly trying to, you know, figure out what to do, but I'm also just kind of playing the same tape loop, so to speak. And in the back of my head is this voice, kind of like, hey, dude, you know, you teach about this. Can you feel it in your body? It's like, oh, yeah, I could. So, yeah, I could feel it in my chest, kind of just these, you know, they're not painful, the sensations. It's not really painful, but it's just kind of unsettled sensations there with a difficult emotion, like frustration or irritation. Uh, and then my attention would go back to the thoughts, to the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Hello, can you feel that in your body? Yes, I can. Oh, there they are. Happened several times that way. And then something interesting happened, which was my attention would go back to the thoughts, and they were fresh. They were like, oh, yeah, that's workable. I could do this. And that would kind of make it all right. Uh, that would make it, that would be work, and I could do that. It took a little time, uh, but clearly, I'm telling you this story because clearly, tuning into the actual feel of the emotion, of the irritation, you know, helped me get out of just running the same thought patterns getting into something creative and fresh. And that's just an, one example of how 
tuning into the actual feel, the physical, tangible, palpable sensations that come with difficult emotions can give us more freedom in our responses and in our own experience also. Because when there was that shift, I wasn't all that aversive anymore. I calmed down. I was like, oh yeah, it can be solved. We're not actually making big judgments about how awful these negative emotions are. We use terms like negative or difficult, but they're, they're part of being human and they have a function. And you know, the reason I, in that situation, the reason I was upset is because I cared about the situation, about the work we're doing, about Diana, about our relationship, about making things work well. And so there wasn't a reason, and there isn't a reason now to think that my having those emotions of being upset and frustrated was bad. But what's really important is to be smart in our response to them and not to stay stuck in negative patterns. And from a mindfulness meditation perspective, it's radically simple how not to be stuck. We notice what's happening, especially in the body, the, the sensations in the body. There's a little acronym I like for this. Uh, it's RAFT, R-A-F-T. Uh, R for recognize. So we recognize the emotion. Anger fear, just a thought. We're not analyzing, just noticing. We don't have to get too precise. Accepting it, meaning just this is the reality right now. This is what's happening for now. Not kind of just pretending it's not. The F is feel, and the T is this, feel this. Where this is what's happening in the body, feel this. Recognize, accept, feel this. And the, the idea of accepting is um, compatible with wanting less of that emotion or wanting to be more skillful with it. And so sometimes people can be motivated to practice this type of meditation because they're seeing anger in their lives more than they want, or they want to be more skillful with their anger. They're getting you know, enraged and then doing things they regret. And this can be a good motivation and, and we can convey confidence that this can be helpful. Even if that's your motivation for being interested and for practicing this, in the moment in which anger is there, you accept it. You don't fight it, you don't resist it, you don't push it away. Even though in the big picture you would like less of it, the key to getting less of it is to, in that moment to accept the reality and to feel into what's actually happening. And so that idea of acceptance is not like, yeah, this is cool, this is fine. We can actually be very ambitious about cultivating the mind and the heart in ways that, that uh, are positive. Uh, so we're not thinking of acceptance as it's actually okay to be this angry. It may not be. 
and indeed we might be able to cultivate less of it. In the moment though, we just notice how it feels. We just feel it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and so again, the pendulum is, is a good model there and it's applicable so often while we're, we're practicing uh, where our attention will be drawn to some thoughts or a memory uh, we begin mulling something over an old argument or if we're afraid of something that may happen later or whatever and often there will be an emotion that's fueling these thoughts and so just recognizing that emotion feeling it is the key and then when we've had enough and it may we, we don't have to stay there just shifting skillfully back to the home base, the breath, the feet, and so forth. And in this process, we don't have to rush. We don't have to be in any big hurry. It might be that you'll have a sitting where basically the entire time you're just noticing an emotion like fear or sorrow or anger. And if you can actually feel it in the body, then you are really practicing well. And it's not easy. But do not think that you know, you're not doing it right if that's what's happening for you. Because that end of the spectrum, that end of the pendulum swing, is part of our practice. And we don't have to rush from one thing to another. Likewise, if you find that you know, it's actually working well just to stay with the breath, uh, and you prefer it and you like it and you're getting the feel of it, uh, you can stay over there. And, you know, there may be emotions that pass through. You don't need to go rushing after them. And here's where we, we kind of find our own style and our own balance. And here's where, you know, basically the heart of what we're doing is this, this permission to notice what's actually happening you know, without the normal context of evaluation, performance, and so forth. And then the third area uh, is cultivating the positive emotions and, and positive qualities. And the, the loving kindness practice that we just did is, is one part of that. And it's it's a little bit different in the emphasis. So um, we're actually intentionally setting down in metta or loving kindness practice to appreciate the goodness in ourselves and in others. And so when spring had us recall something that we've done in the last couple months that we appreciate for ourselves, for having done an act of kindness or something. That's important because it gives a little um, traction to this sense of appreciation uh, for, our, for ourselves. Um, so we can cultivate this intention to appreciate the goodness in ourselves and others. And as we practice kindness, uh, we're not really sitting here trying to have an emotion of some kind. Uh, that's, that will happen and it can happen, but we're actually open to whatever presents itself 
just as much as when we practice the basic mindfulness. Uh, we have the intention to appreciate the goodness in ourselves and in others. We may aspire to cultivate more kindness. And again, we can convey a lot of confidence. It can work. But in the moment of practice, we may be feeling aversion, resistance, self-criticism, <coughs> self or we might not be feeling much at all. And so in those moments, we, that's kind of where practicing kindness and practicing the basic mindfulness can merge because we can just notice, well, this is what's happening for me now. We can feel that. And the really amazing thing, is that uh, this activity of feeling kindness is really closely connected to feeling the difficult, feeling the sadness. It's, and I do this when I talk about it because it's this part of our body that's so active, the heart, the torso. Uh, when Spring began the instructions for the kindness practice, she said, feel into the heart area. And uh, when we can cultivate that capacity to be with the actual sensations that are there with difficult emotions, then we're also practicing opening the heart so that we can feel these positive emotions of kindness, joy, compassion, and so forth. In the big picture, uh, when we practice mindfulness, we're certainly not doing it merely in meditation. And one of the great things about a retreat like this is that we're going in and out of silence. We have the silent periods, we have the meditation periods, we have this amazing opportunity to, to practice these methods and get some skill with them. But we also are then coming out of silence. We're meeting in small groups uh, and so forth. And these also are occasions for practicing mindfulness. Uh, for some of us, it's going to be easier to do it in a small group, just to tune in to how we feel, to feel it in the body, doing kind of the practice, we'll still do it by ourselves in here uh, in the sense in which we are kind of doing it by ourselves even though we support each other. It's still a radically kind of personal activity and it can be, for some of us, it can be really hard even to tune in at all and we don't have to hurry. Uh, if you feel like you have to hurry, you know, remember that, uh, you know, Love uh, gets on the boat with time, or time picks up love and takes them takes time to love to the island, or whatever the hell Spring said, <laughs> love does. <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> we don't have to rush into like, you know, opening our hearts. It takes time, and we have some time. Uh, and uh, one thing that we can convey as teachers and as so forth is that uh, uh, <coughs> even when it takes some time, uh, 
if we stay with it, if we keep showing up for our own experience, if we keep showing up in this context for connecting with other people, then we can indeed open up more. Our hearts really can open and it's exquisite. Um, the Buddha talks about the sure heart's release. The sure heart's release. Another passage from the Buddha, he talks about kindness as the freedom of the heart. Kindness is the freedom of the heart. It glows, it shines, it blazes. And as Spring pointed out in the loving kindness period, like practicing kindness for ourselves is primary. This is not sitting here pretending that we're nice or pretending that we're great. It's not any sort of pretending. It's tuning in to the reality. Uh, and we really can do that. And, and sometimes, as you'll see, we do it in silent meditation. At other times, we do it in connection with each other. Uh, but either way, we don't have to rush uh, and outside of the meditation, we can take a moment, take a breath, just notice what's happening in that moment. It doesn't have to be kind of like, okay, now I'm meditating and now I can, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, my colleagues here, uh, uh, Daniela and Tali shared a poem with me today. I'd like to read um, by, uh, Dana Fouts called Walk Slowly. It only takes a reminder to breathe, a moment to be still, and just like that, something in me settles, softens, makes space for imperfection. The harsh voice of judgment drops to a whisper, and I remember again that life is not a relay race, that we will all cross the finish line that waking up to life is what we were born for. As many times as I forget, catch myself charging forward without even knowing where I'm going, that many times I can make the choice to stop, to breathe and be, and walk slowly into the mystery. So let's uh, just don't, don't move, just stay where you are and let's just meditate for a minute and let some of this sink in.
I can make the choice to stop, to breathe and be, and walk slowly into the mystery. So thank you for your attention. It's really great. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.